0: The Lord and Merry Christmas season to everybody. Looks nice and festive in here. Thank you to the team who uh, makes the sanctuary look nice and uh, ready for this Christmas season. Um, And we're excited to uh, to get into the Word of God this morning. Um, There are so many wonderful stories within the Scriptures uh, on Wednesday nights that cover. Uh, We've been covering the Old Testament prophecies that are looking toward the birth of Christ and then so many wonderful stories within the New Testament that teach us about uh, what Christmas is all about. Can somebody say, Jesus is the reason for the season. Does anybody believe that this morning? Because there are a lot of other um, narratives of what we should believe in terms of what this season is all about. Um, some believe that it's all about um, making our houses look really nice with lots of lights. Some believe that this season is about spending as much money as we can or can't. Um, some believe that this season is all about uh, taking some time off of work. I don't mind that because that's a fun time to be with family. But ultimately, the reason for the season is celebrating the birth of Jesus. The birth of Christ, our Lord. Um, so we're going to take some time today looking at one of those stories that is leading up to uh, the story of the birth of Christ. Um, before we do that, I just want to make a couple of uh, general remarks. I know we have some World Cup fans in the house who've been watching it, a lot of sad Mexico fans, sad USA fans. Even some people who like spent a lot of money on brand-new Brazil gear, were pretty disappointed. Recently Argentina made it through. I know we have a few Argentina fans here at MEFC. Brother Paco as well is a big Argentina fan. Croatia and Morocco. That was Morocco was, uh, I believe, the first African nation to make it to the semifinals in the World Cup. So congratulations, Morocco. Um, and then let's see, who else? France. France, they're pretty strong. Um, And then for those who care about college football, you might have seen that uh, the Heisman Trophy was given last night to uh, someone uh, who plays right here in the LA area. It wasn't from UCLA though, it was from the other LA school. I see your vest here (laughs) from USC. uh, Caleb Williams is the uh, eighth, eighth Heisman Trophy winner from the University of Southern California. Um, but we won 't we won 't spend too much time on that because I know we have some UCLA fans here in the house, so um, but I woke up this morning and it was raining hard, and like uh, Sister Sandra said, you braved the rain and you made it here to church. Amen. hopefully uh, you didn 't hit too many potholes on your way over, um, but as I was looking at the big puddles. Uh, even in my neighborhood, on the way to church today, I was reminded of a, a story that a brother from our church, a, a saint who is with the Lord now, uh, shared with us about uh, a similar storm. Um, and he shared a story that uh, you know there was a there was a farm out in the middle of the country, and all of a sudden the rain started to come in a drizzle, and then it started turning into a heavier rain. Then it started coming down in sheets and. And next thing you know, all the farm animals had to make their way from the field into the barn and find uh, shelter and safety from this huge storm. But uh, out there next to a a pond that was rising and rising and rising was a frog. And this frog was uh, somewhat of a genius. Um, And the frog noticed that there were birds ducks and geese and other birds that were nearby that were starting to fly away, and, and the frog thought to himself, man, I wish I had wings to fly away to find safety, but here I am stuck in this storm. So the frog called over a few birds, and he says, hey, I got an idea. And the, and the bird said, yeah, what, what is it? He says, uh, why don't one of you pick up that stick right over there um, and, and fly it over here to me. I'll bite onto the middle of the stick. Each of you, with your beaks, grab the outsides of the stick And the the two of you can fly away to safety, and I'll go with you. What do you think about that? And the birds looked at each other and said, "What do you think? Like we can do? We could do that. All right, we could do that." So sure enough, the bird went, grabbed the stick, brought it over to the frog. The frog chomps down onto the middle of the stick. The two birds on the outside of the stick, and and sure enough, they start flying away. And and you know they got up five feet above the ground, and the frog was still there. And by the way, if you're wondering who shared the story, it was uh, Papa Frank Cisneros on a Wednesday night. And, um, and so, you know, the, the birds and the frogs started to get higher. They were about 100 feet in the air, and it was still working just fine. And as they were flying over the, the home of this farm, the farmer was outside looking and saw this amazing sight a frog. Biting down onto a stick, carried by two birds, flying all three of them away to safety. And, and the farmer was looking in amazement at this sight and, and said, Wow, what a brilliant idea. I wonder who thought of that. And the frog said, It was me! <laughs> it doesn't rain very often here, so I can't tell that joke very much, but... It rained hard today, so I'm telling it. But of course, Papa Frank then said, pride comes before a fall. Right. Okay, I got another story for you about the rain. Can I give one more? All right. Um, So, there was a storm similar to the one we're experiencing, except for it was about 10 times worse. And uh, it was out, you know, in the the town, and... um, The people were afraid, and so they started calling their pastor. You know, left and right, they started, Pastor, what are we going to do? Can we gather together at church and start praying against this storm that God would allow this storm to subside because this is going to be dangerous for a lot of people? So they gathered together, and they began to pray in the church while it was raining really hard. Um, And, um, you know, it kept coming and coming, and even as they were praying, water started to seep into the church doors. And the pastor was praying, God, we believe you could do a miracle and we believe you can stop this storm and turn back the rain, right? And they were praying hard and slowly but surely as they were praying, you know, members of the congregation started to kind of slip out from the prayer. Have you ever had to leave a prayer early? Doesn't it feel a little awkward? So the people, they started slipping out from the prayer and and getting into their cars and driving home and and sure, finally, after a while, the water kept coming up to about ankle level within the church. But the pastor was still praying. And, and fi- finally, everybody kind of left him alone. And he was the only one praying there. With his hands lifted up, right, believing that the storm was going to be stopped. And, um, you know, he heard a honk from outside. And, and he came outside, what is it? And he said, pastor, pastor, we got to get out of here. And they had a pickup truck. And they said, we got a little bit of room here. Come on in. With big old giant wheels lifted. Hop in the truck and we'll, we'll get out of here. And the pastor said, no, no, no. I trust in God because we, we believe that he's going to stop this storm. And so they said, all right, pastor, but, but there's probably not going to be very much more time. So you should probably join us. And he says, no, no, no. You guys go ahead because I believe that God's going to stop this storm. So the truck drives off. right? And uh, after the truck drives the water kept rising. The water level rose all the way above his knees, and he's still praying right there by himself, trusting. And the next thing you know, he hears outside. Pastor, come outside. We have a ladder ready for you to take you to safety. And he comes outside. He says, no, 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 go ahead. It's all right. I believe God's got me, and the storm is going to pass. And so the helicopter says, Are you sure, Pastor? And he says, Yeah, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure. So the helicopter uh, leaves. Finally, the water got all the way up to almost shoulder level, and the pastor was still there praying. And he hears outside, and he looks out there, and there's a speedboat. One of the members of the church had a speedboat, and they said, Pastor, come on, we gotta get out of here. Somebody told us you were still here. And he says, No, 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 you guys go on ahead. Trust me, the rain is about to subside. And and so they said, are you sure? And he says, yes. He said, go ahead. And then sure enough, after a while, the water kept rising and rising. and, And the pastor passed away, unfortunately. And he went to heaven. And he was mad. And he looked at God and he said, Lord, I trusted you. I cried out. I asked you to save us. I asked you to turn. Why did you not answer me? He said, I did answer you. I sent you three signs. First, I sent you the pickup truck. Then I sent you the helicopter. Then I sent you the speedboat. And you ignored all three. <laughs> Don't ignore God's signs. <laughs> all right, so hopefully the water doesn't start seeping into the sanctuary while we're here this morning. Um, But let me ask you a question as we get ready to look at Luke chapter 1. You can go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1. Let me ask you a question. What is better, seeing or perceiving? Seeing or perceiving? See, I I told that second joke because in many ways it reminds us of the fact that God might be putting signs all around us. But if we're not looking for the signs that God is showing us in terms of what he might be saying to us, we could miss God's activity all day long. What is it that you are looking for? Some of us in here, we are trained to have a negative mindset and we are looking for disappointment. So the moment things start looking bad, it's like, oh, here we go again. The same cycle, I could never get out of this cycle, I thought that things were going to be different, but it's no different, here we go again, because we're looking for signs of doubt, signs of discouragement. But I want to encourage us this morning to be those who look for signs of hope. I want to encourage us to be the kind of church that looks for signs of faith, signs of joy, God, what are you up to? What is better, seeing or perceiving? See, perception is not just about seeing, but it's seeing and understanding. When we perceive something, we see it and we understand it. And I believe that perspective often shapes perception. Let me say it one more time. Perspective often shapes perception. So let's look at Luke chapter 1. When you have it, go ahead and say amen. Amen. And we're going to look at the miracle before the miracle. Can everybody say the miracle before the miracle? The miracle before the miracle. So here we are in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. I'll read this for us. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. So the story is being set up by Luke. And Luke is telling us right here at the beginning of this gospel about the story of a miraculous birth. And before we get to the miraculous birth of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus, we have a story that tells us about the miraculous birth of Jesus' cousin named John, or referred to as John the Baptist. And in Luke's gospel, we see here that John's parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Now, let's look at the names just for a second and unpack this beginning part of this story because the names are significant. The name Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, means the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. And the name Elizabeth comes from the Hebrew word Elisheva, which means my God is a covenant or my God is an oath. So as we look at this story, and even not just the story of John's birth and and of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy that we will soon read about, but we need to understand here that as we even understand these words and these names, that this is a story that's reminding us that God remembers his people. And that when God makes a covenant, he is going to keep his covenant. And that's the precursor for the rest of the story. So the sign is even involved in Zechariah's name. My God remembers. See, God remembers you. God remembers the prayer of your mom and your father. God remembers the prayer of your grandmother and your grandfather who prayed for you for their generations to come. God remembers what you've gone through. God remembers all that you've been through in your own life. Whatever it is that you're carrying right now, know that you have not been forgotten but that you are remembered just like God's people were remembered in this story. So we look here and we see that the story is starting out, and it says that there's a man named Zechariah and a woman named Elizabeth, and it says that they were righteous. It says, but they were childless. So here we go, right here in verse 7, is we are setting up, The conditions for a miracle. Why do I say that? Because the conditions for a miracle is that you first need to have a challenge. There's no miracle story in the Bible that doesn't start with a condition, a trial, or a situation that seems outside of human control. Every miracle story that we read starts with a problem. Somebody say, Amen. So if you got a problem today, guess what? You're in good hands. If you got a trial today, guess what? You are uh, right in the middle of the potential for God to do a miracle. If everything's going well for you, guess what? Well, you're probably not included in this because... You might not need a miracle, but if you need a miracle, somebody raise your hand. If you need a miracle in your life, if you need a miracle in your family, if you need a miracle right now, you're saying, Lord, you know what I'm going through, and I've tried everything that I can, and I've talked to everybody that I can, and I've tried to do every single thing, and even in this moment, I found that I'm falling short. Guess what? You are in good company because that is the exact makings of a miracle. So Zechariah and Elizabeth find themselves here in this predicament where they are righteous. Zechariah is a priest, right? He represents God to the people and the people to God, and he goes and prays in the temple on behalf of the people. But in spite of his profession, in spite of his faith, in spite of their righteousness, they are still experiencing a challenge. And this challenge is they wanted to have children, and they could not. And on top of that, they were old. In fact, the Bible, what does the Bible say at the very end of verse 7 there? It says that they were what? Right, my version says very old. I think that's kind of messed up. Like, Luke could have just said old, and that would have been fine. He didn't have to put the very in there. But he did. So we know that Elizabeth and Zechariah were, were very old. Thank you for that detail, Luke. But this morning, we are reflecting on this word called hope. Can somebody say hope? Hope. And so here they are in a seemingly hopeless situation, and all the details are there in the story to help us see that this is an improbable situation. I want to remind you, church, that when we are people of faith, improbable does not mean impossible. Improbable is a matter of science. Impossible is a matter of our creator. Right? When, when, when things look improbable to us, God, and, but God is still at work, then guess what? That probability can change real quick. Because we serve a God who can do impossible things. And that's what builds our hope. That's what allows us to say, this situation looks really hard. Some, most people will give up. But if we're people of faith, we're going to say, Lord, I ain't never giving up. I ain't never giving up right? Because the story of the scriptures remind us time and time again, no matter how desperate or hopeless a situation may be, if God is involved, it ain't over yet. Amen. So this story might sound somewhat familiar. In fact, uh, If we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, we might be reminded that there's a story at the foundation of our faith that talks about a man named Abram who was married to a woman named Sarai, and they too were old, and they too were having a hard time having children, and we see there in that moment that God did a miracle and provided a child from Sarah's womb who uh, we thought was barren, and she was able to bring forth a son whose name was Isaac, and so at the, the, the foundational level of our sacred text, is a reminder that God does things like this. Which needs to be a reminder to us that when we're in the middle of a situation, we have to step back from that situation. We have to not be consumed by that situation. We have to not allow discouragement or fear or doubt or worry to guide our thoughts and our belief and our prayer and our stance. But instead, we need to step out from our situation and ask the question, God, have you done anything like this before? And the answer is yes. Therefore, if you've done it before, then you can do it again. So if I'm Zechariah or if I'm Elizabeth, I might start thinking to myself, all right, we find ourselves in the middle of a situation that sounds somewhat familiar. And once we do that, we're able to allow our our, our heart to be guided by faith instead of being guided by fear or doubt or worry or concern. I'm reminded of the importance to share our stories of faith. And the the beautiful thing is that because we have a story like Abraham and Sarah, now, in theory, Zechariah and Elizabeth have a precedent. They have uh, something that they could refer to to say, I've seen God do something like this before, only because that story was told and shared. What happens when God does miracles in our lives and we keep them to ourselves? Guess what? We are taken away from the faith reserves that other people can bank on. When, When God does something... Miraculous. When God does something beautiful in our lives and we fail to share the goodness of what God has done, we have just withheld an opportunity for somebody in the future to look back and say, God did it for them so he could do it for me. If we flip it around, when we do share our stories of faith and say, God did this in my life, then when somebody else down the road is facing a similar challenge and a similar trial and a similar circumstance, instead of being in despair, they could look to your story and say, if God got them through it, then God can get me through it as well. I was just even reminded as I was looking at that passage and thinking about the importance of sharing our stories of faith. I was sharing with a young couple recently and they were asking me questions about marriage and and different things. And I shared with them, you know, something interesting, I don't often think about these things because they're in the past. But in my first year of marriage, I lost my job. And and, and I'm like, man, I need to share that story because there's probably somebody else who is making a big, significant life decision and all of a sudden trying to figure out what finances look like. And in that same week, I got a phone call from somebody that said, hey, you need a job? Somebody I didn't really know that well, but reached out and said, hey, I heard that you might uh, be interested in, in looking for an opportunity like this. God provided in the matter of a week. I need to be reminded of that. It's a story of faith that built us, right? I I know I talk to a lot of people and they're dating and they've been dating and they've been together for like 19 and a half years and they're like, we're just waiting to be financially sound. we got seven children and we've been dating for 19 years, but we want to have our finances in order before we make that big step. I'm like, you've already made a few big steps. Um, This might be a good one. So anyway... it's important for me to be reminded that uh, I didn't have my finances altogether, but God provided. I had a plan, don't get me wrong, but that plan fell through and then God had to come up with another plan. I'm thankful that his plan is always better than mine. In that same year of our first year of marriage, 15 years ago, we were driving from uh, dinner uh, for a friend's birthday. And on the road, uh, we were cut off by a car and went into a 360-degree rotation going 64 miles per hour. I was within the speed limit. Just wanted to make sure that was on record. And we did an entire 360 on the freeway. And I'm, I kid you not, I felt the hand of God grab our car, put us right back in the same lane that we started in, and continue going 64 miles per hour in the same direction that we were going in the first place. Dre and I looked at each other. Nobody else had to witness it except for my wife and I to look at each other and say, God is with us. Amen. The Lord preserved us. And then I remember, you know, we we had a couple of years enjoying our our early years of marriage, and then we we wanted to start a family, and we thought it was going to be a piece of cake, right? And uh, next thing you know, three years after trying, we still had not successfully had a child. And we didn't even know that was a thing. I thought you just, like, thought of having a kid, and you had one. I didn't realize all, all that process and doctor's appointments and, and uh, a few miscarriages that we went through, all in this process of waiting and, and struggling and frustrated asking God, Lord, we, we want to be a mom and we want to be a dad and we want to have a family of our own and realize it wasn't as easy as we thought that it could be. And then to realize that in the middle of an appointment with an atheist doctor, who was known for giving Christians a hard time, looked at us in our eyes after our second miscarriage and said, you too will have a baby of your own. Woo! Hallelujah. A sign from God, coming from the least likely of places, and yet we took that sign and said, yes, Lord. So what are your faith stories? Like what are the things that you've experienced God do tremendous things in your life? When's the last time you've had the opportunity to share them? Because guess what? Somebody else right now is going through that trial and challenge that comes before the miracle that needs to hear how God worked in your life so that they could learn how to put their faith and trust in God and not in anything else. Somebody's experiencing trial right now, and, and you're wondering to yourself, maybe God forgot about me. Because I see all these other people that are experiencing his blessing, and, and not me, and I'm wondering if I've, I've been forgotten. There's somebody here who's thinking to yourself, maybe I'm not as favored as those around me. Maybe it's because of something that I did in my past, and some, for whatever reason, God's getting even with me. There's somebody in here who thinks that today. There's somebody who's saying, I'm not even sure if God is real because if he's really there, why would he let me go through this? There's somebody here who's who's thinking these kinds of thoughts. And I want to remind you today, just like we're talking about in the story of Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, the name of the man that God is ministering to in this story, his name means the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. So that's a sign for you that God remembers what you're going through, and he hasn't forgotten you, that you are not less favored, that you are called, and guess what? Because of the fact that you are going through the challenge and problem and the trial that you're experiencing right now is a sign that a miracle is on the other side. If you trust in God. If you say, Lord, I'm trusting you with this. Despite any visible evidence, we choose to place our hope in Christ. So let's look at verse 8. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. So by lot means they like rolled dice or they drew straws. And, uh, and he was chosen by lot to go into the temple. Now we all know that this was not an accident. Right? That's another thing that we need to be reminded of is that nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by coincidence. Our God is at work. So according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So let's look at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now let's pause for a second right there on that verse. Right? Remember it said that everybody else was praying outside and the priest only went inside. So who else was in the temple with Zechariah at this time? How many people were in there? Just one, right? Just one. And then it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. I don't know about you, but when I read that story... Zechariah gets a little bit freaked out. We're going to read that in a second. I'm kind of like, man, Zechariah, you had every reason to be freaked out because nobody else was supposed to be in the temple. Like, man, did a teenager sneak in here? The temple security didn't do their job. They're supposed to keep everybody outside. Somebody else got in here. And it wasn't just anybody that snuck in, but it was the angel of the Lord. And it wasn't just any angel. The Bible tells us it's the angel Gabriel. Does anybody know what the name Gabriel means? It means warrior of God. So this wasn't just any angel. It was like an angel who was strapped with a sword. I don't know about you, but if you walk into a place where you were expecting to be the only person, and when you walk in there, there's somebody standing there with a sword, you have every reason to be freaked out, church. Okay? So when Zechariah saw him, verse 12, he was startled. Some of us are like, yep. And gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Somebody say, Do not, afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice. Because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient. To the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a prophecy that Zechariah receives about his son. Now, Zechariah at this point, even though he had been praying, had probably been praying those prayers that are kind of like, I'm gonna pray because I'm supposed to pray, but I don't really quite believe that God can still do it. They were kind of like half faith prayers, like, Lord, Bless me with a child, even though it's not likely, and everything in science and medicine suggests that we are way beyond the age to bear children. But nevertheless, please, Lord, we would like a child. I want to encourage you, when you pray, pray with faith, church. Right? Pray boldly. If the scriptures teach us anything is that almost everything is, is possible for our God. Dead people can get up again. Blind people can see again. If you never walked before, God can help you to walk, right? If you if, you, if your, your womb wasn't producing children, God can make that happen because it happens all throughout scripture. There are so many things in scripture that teach us pray bold prayers. If you think it sounds ridiculous, awesome, because that's right before God does something that can be faith-building for not just us, but for those who are watching to see what happens when the people of God trust God, that God can do what he says he can do. Pray bold prayers. Trust in our God. Some of us are like, well, but what if he doesn't do it? That ain't your problem. That's up to God. But it's up to us to say, Lord, why not? Amen? Amen? So Zechariah had been praying, and then he was almost surprised that his prayer was answered. Wow. Right? Like, oh, yeah, I was praying that, huh? <laughs> and, the, and the angel showed up, and he gave him this word of prophecy, and he told him, hey, it's going to happen. And, uh, and But it says, look at verse 18, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, how? Somebody say how. How, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Notice how he called himself old and then he used a euphemism for his wife. What a good husband. (laughs) But the first question that he asked the angel is how? And how often do we in our own lives spiritually get stuck on the question of how? And because of our inability to understand how, it causes our faith to be, uh, 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 to be hindered because we are so focused on how, when in fact what we should be more concerned about is why. Not just how God has, is going to do this thing, but, 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 but what is the purpose that God wants to do this so that he could be glorified? Amen. Then I can trust in why God is doing it and not be so stuck on how he will do it. Right? Too often when we're asking for a miracle, we don't ask the question why. We just ask God to do things for us. When in reality, if we were more concerned about why we would want God to do that miracle, guess what? We'll probably see more of them because it's aligned with the will of God. Lord, my car is broke down, but if you could just get me that Ferrari, I would be able to get to work and back safely in a reliable car. You know, And never mind. If we're not focused on why we're asking God for things, then we can just start asking for things that don't give glory and honor to God. But if we say, Lord, I want you to receive glory and honor, and I believe that your name will be lifted up when you provide me with a child, and I, when I raise this child to know you and serve you and to be a leader in their generation, when I raise this child to be able to help their friends know what the difference between right and wrong, when I raise this child so that your legacy and your church will continue going beyond this generation, Lord, when you bless me with a child and that God's like, all right, you enough i'm gonna give you a child (laughs) right but if we just say lord give me a child because i want my name to go on lord's like give me a better reason right if we focus on why then we'll be aligned with the will of god when we focus on how it hinders our faith when we focus on god how are you going to do it how is this possible wrong question But Lord, why would you want to do this? I believe, Lord, if you did this, this is what's going to happen. The Lord's like, you make a good case. Here you go. Right? So Zechariah was asking the wrong question. He asked how. But he should have been asking why. Right? Notice how the angel Gabriel gives him this beautiful prophecy in verses 14 through 17. 14 through 17 explain what God is going to do through John, Zechariah's future son. Right, He tells him, man, he's going to bring joy to you. He's going to bring joy to people. The people of Israel are going to return back to God. They're going to rejoice at his birth. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to minister in spirit and power. He's going to be in the spirit of Elijah. So so, so Gabriel's already telling him what Zechariah's son is going to do. And after Zechariah hears all that, his first question is, How? When Gabriel already dealt with that in verse 13. Did you notice that? He, he dealt with how he's going to do it in one verse. And then he explained what he's going to do through John in four verses. Be more focused on the latter part than on the former part. But Zechariah had to go back to how. Let's not get stuck on how. The why in terms of a miracle is always connected to glorifying God and drawing others to himself. Right? Notice some takeaways from this interaction between the angel Gabriel and Zechariah. The first thing he tells them is, stop being afraid. Don't fear. Do not fear. The second thing that happens here is he says, man, Zechariah, this baby boy is going to light things up. He says, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. I don't know about you, but that's some kind of revival. And Elizabeth, later on, could even feel that revival in her stomach later on when she meets Mary and, and Mary comes and just found out that she's going to be pregnant miraculously. that Just by coming together and having a conversation, it says that John the Baptist leapt within her belly. So not only was a barren womb, Becoming fruitful, literally having a revival. But there was a spiritual revival that was taking place at the same exact time. This is exciting stuff. And the angel says, oh man, he is going to prepare the way for the Lord. Wow. Now here's the hard part about it. Because of Zechariah's how question, the angel of the Lord told Zechariah, Because you didn't believe when I first told you, you're not going to be able to talk until this baby boy is born. Isn't that harsh? (laughs) Imagine the best thing ever happening to you in your life, and then you couldn't tell nobody about it. And they didn't have text messages back in the day, so you couldn't just like, you know, text it out to everybody. He was made mute until his son was born because he first didn't believe. See, I want to encourage you in this Christmas season, rather than being shocked by the fact that God sees you and produces hope, I want you to look for hope. I want you to expect hope in this season. Don't be shocked by hope, but expect hope. Don't get caught off guard when God starts answering your prayer, right? Give God thanks and say, thank you, Lord. That's what I asked for. That's what you've done. You deserve all the glory, the honor, and the praise. You are a good God. I'm not going to ask you how you're going to do it. I'm just going to say, you got it. It's up to you. And I'm going to give you praise for it. Let's look for opportunities for hope this season instead of being shocked by the fact that God is good, and he hears you, and he remembers you, and he's already at work, and he's going to do it one way or the other. It doesn't even matter how he chooses to do it. That's up to him and not us. It doesn't even matter when he chooses to do it. That's up to him and not us. All we need to do is say, Lord... I see you, you're at work, I give you praise, you are good, you are worthy. I'm going to lift you up right now because you are a God who has given me hope time time and time and time and time and time and time again. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for a reason to be discouraged this year? Or are you looking for a reason to give God praise? Because believe it or not, how you wake up and what you choose to dwell on, believe it or not, has a lot to do with what you'll see. Right? Think if Zechariah was like, man, God's going to do something big today. And then all of a sudden he comes into the temple, he wouldn't have been as shocked and started asking how and all that. He'd have been like, yep, I knew you were going to do it, God. I knew you were going to do it because you said you would. You gave me a name that says you remember me. So I'm not going to be shocked when, it is the, when it's true and when it's demonstrated that you have remembered. Why? Because you do remember. That's who you are. We can give God praise. Amen. We're looking for opportunities to have hope in God this season, this Christmas season. We're expecting miracles We're expecting God to bring life to dead places. We're expecting God to bring things near that were once far off. We're expecting God to bring hope to the hopeless. We're expecting God to repair broken things. Verse 19 says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Remember, that's, it's not just a cool name like Gabriel, Gabe, right? I am Gabriel. I am Gibor El. I am the warrior of God. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. So that now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Will you trust God when he shows up? Will you give him praise when he gives you reason to hope? Will you be caught off guard when he comes through on his promise? Or will you say, I knew you would, Lord. I knew you were doing something. I couldn't, I couldn't tell for a little while, but for somehow in my spirit, I knew that you were, you were working. I knew you were, you were figuring things out, and I, I might have felt like I was in the dark and far away from this miracle, but I should have known better that you were already working things out in your own way. Meanwhile, verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Unable to speak. And I think of the, uh, the irony The irony of uh, having probably the best story that he could ever tell and not being able to tell it. But I guarantee you that the moment his son was born and the first thing that came out of his mouth was his name is John, right, to confirm what his wife said because God was ministering to her and and prompting her uh, to to prepare uh, for this amazing uh, precursor and this amazing uh, uh, minister and leader within the story of of our, of our church and of our faith. But I, I imagine what it was like for John or for Zechariah finally to be able to tell about what happened. Don't you think that was exciting? I mean, he had written it down, but it's just not the same. Right? When he was finally able to say, all right, finally, I got my voice back. Let me tell you about what took place on that day when I was reminded that God was at work and bringing a miracle to our our family, right? And it probably reminded him of the importance of his voice, of the power of story. That maybe up until that point, he might've taken that for granted until finally he wasn't able to speak and then getting his ability to speak back probably reminded him, I'm not gonna hold back when I need to say something from now on. The cool thing about it is his son later on comes and he's the one that goes around preparing the way for Jesus. Saying, repent. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? The irony between not being able to speak and then his son then being in the spirit of Elijah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Repent and be baptized and saved. When his time of service was completed, verse 23, after this, his, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Praise the Lord. I know we're getting ready for Christmas But we need to be reminded that uh, before the next verse, verse 26, in the story of how Mary found out about Jesus, that there was already some stories that were taking place, getting things ready. In other words, the hope of God was already at work all around Mary before she experienced it personally. The signs that God was at work were all around her even before the angel showed up to her and gave her her news and message of what was going to take place. So even if you're in a season of waiting right now and you're trying to figure out, God, how are you going to work? How are, what are you going to do? And how are you going to come through? And how am I going to receive a miracle? I want you to be reminded that God is already at work around you. And the signs of what he's up to are available for us to see if we're willing to perceive what God is doing. Amen? I want to encourage us to be those who perceive God's work in this season. Not those who doubt God being at work. Not those who are worried or in fear about whether or not God will work. But those who are able to say, Lord God, my eyes, my spiritual eyes are wide open to see what you are up to. And I believe that you are at work. I believe that you're stirring things up, right? And even as we prepare to fill our hearts with the story of Christ's birth, it's significant for us to see what's happening all around that story. What's happening all around that story. Because God is doing some things all around your life right now. But when our eyes, our minds are so consumed on our problem, our worry, our fear, it blinds us and clouds our vision to be able to see the ways in which he's at work and preparing things even right now. Our prayer is that we would say, Lord, help me to remove the temptation and distraction that causes me to miss the signs of your power, and of your work, even right now, even this morning. Amen? Amen. Um, Let's close in a word of prayer. Would you stand if you're able and willing? And we'll close by giving God thanks for reminders that he's a God who remembers. He hasn't forgotten about you. Turn to somebody next to you and say, he hasn't forgotten about you. He's a God who remembers. And Elizabeth's name, Eli Sheva, he's my God. Eli means my God. Sheva means covenant. My God is a covenant. So our God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Amen? Amen? He's faithful to fulfill his promises. Let's be reminded to share boldly and liberally the good things that God has done in our lives. Because somebody's going through what you've been through. Let me say it one more time. Somebody is going through what you've been through. And the difference between faith and despair might be your testimony. The difference between Hope and hopelessness might be the people of God sharing what God has done so that somebody else might stand upon your testimony and say, if he did it for them, he could do it for me. Amen. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for This story, we thank you for this uh, miracle before the miracle, this precursor of the fact that you are stirring up hope. Um, How exciting that even in the heart of a mute man was a witness of your goodness, where you turned something that was improbable into a possibility. Lord, we thank you that you're reminding us this morning not to be concerned with how and to waste our time thinking of how, but instead to be um, more concerned with why is it that God might do this miracle to bring you honor and glory. So because you're a God who remembers and because you keep your covenant, um, we stand upon this story as a story of faith that we'll lean into to look for signs of your hope all around us. Forgive us when we instead have looked for reasons to be disappointed, reasons to be discouraged, reasons to worry. Um, Instead, we want to be those who are looking for reasons to trust, reasons to believe, reasons to hope. Um, Fill us with that hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.